Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick DeVlay. I'm with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today we're talking about Manchester United. They have their new manager for the upcoming season, so we're excited to hear from Lucas. We're going to go through the Champions League results, some of the results from the past weekend, and our upcoming bets and fixtures. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Lucas, Lucas, Lucas. How are you doing today, bud? You could see the big, big smile on my face. Eric Ten Hag is here. Tentatively. We don't know. We really just don't know yet. Um, There are reports coming out that Ten Hag is going to be the manager of Manchester United. It's pretty much 95% there. Oh, man, I'm buzzing to have Eric Ten Hag as the manager. He's done so well with Ajax. He's built a program over there. He has a great philosophy. I'm just hyped. I'm at a loss of words. I'm really genuinely shocked that the board chose Eric Ten Hag over Pochettino because a lot of the pundit players, former Manchester United players, were all wanting Pochettino as their manager. Gary Neville, Wayne Rooney, Rio Ferdinand, they all said Pochettino should be the manager. But that signing for Eric Ten Hag is what will take Manchester United back to the top, in my opinion. He has done great things, um, not only on the field, but off it as a technical director. But you have to give him the opportunity. You have to give him the keys to do everything himself. So really, really buzzing about it. But... Oh, man, I don't know. I'm just, uh, can we start to next season already? I mean, ultimately, I think it's a great hire if it does go through, right? I think my main concern, though, is is the board going to get in the way of this appointment? Because I think I think universally, if you look back over the, the history of Manchester United since Alex Ferguson left, right? And I'm talking, uh, if you don't count Ole, right? But Ragnick would count as a great manager. Ole was like, Inexperienced, so he doesn't count, but he has some decent results. And then you look, you know, Jose Mourinho, Louis Van Hall, uh, David Moyes has been seen as a good manager. So I think, I think in hindsight, right, the appointing of a good manager by Manchester United uh, has been pretty much in line. Like it's been, it's been pretty much the, the history. They do a good job of appointing decently, uh, decently experienced managers with a good history of winning trophies. I think the issue comes from really the board, right? What kind of players are they going to look to bring in? Uh, what style are they going to play? Who's going to leave Manchester United? How are they going to develop forward, right? This is more so of uh, how is the things in the back of the office going to change rather than what we see initially, right? Ten Hag is great tactically. There's no doubt about that. Great tactically. Love the way he plays. Uh, he is not afraid to give young players chances, and he's also uh, not afraid to make tough decisions, right? And, I mean, we've seen Ajax become uh, a lot of what they were previously in their history, and he's a good credit to that. The The board of directors behind Ajax is also a good credit to that. Mark Overmars, who is a technical director who left for, you know, inappropriate things, was really good. So he's going from an organization that's very well run to Manchester United, who, as of recently, have not been very well run. And that's my concern there, Lucas. I agree. I agree. But actually, some reports that I'm reading right now is that Manchester United are actually looking for a deputy role uh, at the moment, which is going to be a football director. And we haven't had a football director ever. Because previously it was Sir Alex Ferguson doing everything. Um, and then it was Ed Woodward. And Ed Woodward is crap. Like, yeah, he, he, he is not it. He, he, has, he does not have a footballing mind. So um, if they do get a footballing director with Ten Hag, they work together. Man, I, it's going to be an exciting future for, for Manchester United. Yeah, and I mean, believe it or not, like the, the real overhaul on the squad is more so the depth, right, than, than some of the starters. Uh, there are some starters that need to be filled in, but I think ultimately if you're looking position for position, they, they're, not, they're not as far away as, as people think. You know, maybe four or five players away, and I'm including depth players as well. Yes. Right? And then also the, you know, 
the departures of players are going to be beneficial. Dean Henderson leaving is going to be beneficial. Uh, I don't know who the other person was. Lingard, right? Lingard leaving is going to be very beneficial for them because of all the leaks and stuff, you know. Uh, an important thing, just based on my experience from watching Arsenal over the past three, four years, is a tight-knit locker room leads to a lot of good results, right? And that's also something that Manchester United needs and something that they'll hopefully be able to get within the next year or two. Yeah, yeah, very exciting times. Um, I, I think it's more than four or five players that can get us to the top because if you think about it, we still need that CDM. Uh, I'm not sure, maybe uh, Eric Ten Hag can do something with Maguire. Um, Probably. Personally, I would like a new new center back. Uh, I think that wingbacks are okay. I think he could do wonders with Diogo Dallo. Um, so yeah, a right wing, center back, and a CDM but then also get like a couple of depth players as well. And also a striker. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd say five to six. Actually, yeah. So you're not far off with the four to five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Yeah. It, no, it's okay. I, You know, you just think they have a lot of good pieces, right? Like Veron is another player that you would want in your team. Other teams would want. De Gea is good goalkeeper, right? Has recovered his form. Uh, I mean, Juan Bissaka, like he, I mean, they paid so much to get him, right? But he would be fine as a backup. And I know that sucks to say because like you just kind of view him as a sunk cost. But there are there are players that, you know, that, that are recoverable. I, I mean, your offensive players are fantastic, right? Sancho, Bruno Fernandez, uh, if Ronaldo stays, whatever they side there, they have like Van de Beek, like under Ten Hag has been very successful. So you have good offensive-minded players. It's just like you have to figure out a few minor details before you get it correct. But, I mean, that's something we'll have to see over the summer and reassess, right? There's a lot of players and a lot of clubs that are going to be moving around this summer uh, and making moves, and it's going to be interesting to see how Manchester United plays into that because they're willing to spend money. So, Yeah, yeah. You really took the words out of my mouth, though, with Donny van de Beek. Because uh, Donny, when he was at his best, was under Eric Ten Hag. And Donny's the kind of player that Ten Hag would be looking for to really have that high energy, have that high press performance. So uh, it, I can see Donny, his career is going to be turned around from this from this signing. Possibly, yeah, possibly. I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of it for him. He hasn't really shown... Uh, to be as good of a player as he was at Ajax, so hopefully that can that can change things. I think uh, as far as Manchester United goes, right, this this has been interesting to talk about. Uh, the one competition that Manchester United is not in that we would like to talk about now, though, is the Champions, Champions League. League. <laughs> now let's turn the tables. I mean, we started the conversation about me being hyped up with the Eric Ten Hag news. Nick, how are you feeling right now? Oh, I'm so good. I mean, Lucas, I had sniped uh, the Real Madrid money line on the weekend and the Champions League, and they absolutely crushed it uh, on both fronts, right? Especially today when they beat uh, Chelsea 3-1, right? Benzema with the hat trick, I believe I read somewhere, and maybe this changed after his most recent goal, but he scored 36 and 36 games or something like that, or 37 and 36 Uh I forgot what, if I read that stat after his second goal or his third goal, but it doesn't matter because he is the, the clearly the best offensive player that Real Madrid has by like a long shot, right? And you saw that when he was absent in El Clasico, like the the void that occurred there and resulted in that that humiliation, right? Uh, they got three goals. I mean, I wish away goals counted. If it did, this result would be over. But it's now three one going back to the Bernabeu and. It's, it's interesting. It seems like Real Madrid has one foot in the semifinals. They 100% have one foot in uh, in the semifinals. And we've been saying it since December that Real Madrid should be a favorite in this tournament. Oh. They are in, in incredible form. Benzema is, in my opinion, the most underrated striker in the world, uh, most underrated player in the world. He has had, in back-to-back -back games, two hat-tricks. Uh, against both PSG and against Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, is he is he right now the player of the tournament as of right now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
I would, I mean, Lewandowski's close too, right? But it's just the first of all, the result today, right, being one and two. Like Benzema has been the difference maker, but over the past two games and has made just a huge difference. Like he is the the main player there. Everything goes through him, and he's yeah. it's crazy because he's thirty four years old. Like you don't expect anyone who's in their mid thirties, other than Messi or Ronaldo, to deliver like this. And this is like the best. Uh, best I've seen him in his in his career, which is crazy to say. You know, he scored thirty seven and thirty six games. That's what it is. Wow, eleven and eight in the Champions League, twenty four and twenty six in La Liga. So I mean, just a monster. Uh, unreal, unreal performance, unreal tournament from him. He is likely going to single handedly help them to the La Liga for sure. They're running away with the league, um, but. With the these last two games, he's just been pure, pure domination. Um, and looking at the the stats of this game as well, Chelsea had the the majority of the possession. They had double the shots of Real Madrid, but they just didn't have a striker. They they created a lot of chances in the second half, right? And like they just could not capitalize on them. And also, you know. For for when we do the score right out of the second half, like it just really, uh, you know, cost Chelsea to put the pressure on them. But I just feel like, uh, I feel like this result kind of sets the story. Yeah, agreed. Now going over to the other three-one results of the of the week, Liverpool defeating Benfica three to one. I mean, we expected this. Uh, Liverpool are just a level above Benfica. The fact that Benfica were able to get one goal back in the early part of the second half. You could have thought that Benfica would have came back, but yeah, it was Liverpool's to lose from the minute the game started. Yeah, I mean, how good of a player is Darwin Nunez too? Like, I mean, he scored he scored off of a Kanate mistake, right? But he yeah. he still, I mean, he's still a really young striker that's super promising. Like, I would want him uh, on my team. Agreed. He's he's gonna be a hot commodity this summer, uh, by a lot of Premier League clubs, by a lot of La Liga clubs. He is going to be a really really fantastic striker for years to come. Still only 21 years old, but I think the player of this match was Luis Diaz. 100%. Luis Diaz, what a signing that's been for Liverpool already. He just he just fits in so perfectly. I don't get how Jurgen Klopp just. Easily fits him in. He has he has an assist and he has a goal. Uh, man, just an unreal player. And he's not always going to be playing for Liverpool as a striker or winger because he he's a ro- more of a rotation depth squad player. But imagine having Luis Diaz as your depth player right now. He starts for most player uh, most teams in the in the world. Honestly, he's he's so good. Lucas, like just their depth up front compared to what it was uh, two years ago, right? Like, they're just their front three. You have Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino, Diego Jota, and then you have also Luis Diaz now. Like, that's crazy to me. Luis Diaz and uh, Diego Jota are younger versions, you know, like younger players that are up and coming up that that will eventually start for Liverpool. Yeah. And they're, they're still terrifying, right? Sadio Mane is is 29. Uh, I believe Mohamed Salah off the top of my head is like 29 as well, right? So you have like all these players just like in their in their prime essentially uh that are going to be there for for a while if Salah signs his contract, right? But Yeah, that's a great shot if Salah signs his contract. But even if he even if he doesn't, right? I still think they're going to pick up where they left off. Yep, yep. Because they have Luis Diaz just go straight in. Or they have Diogo Jota just go straight in. And even on the bench, they have Minamino still. They still have Roberto Firmino. Like, they still have quality players that they can just pluck in there. Harvey Elliott, who can, if healthy, be one of the top young stars. Uh, This Liverpool side, Jurgen Klopp, really, from five years ago to... Or six years ago, whatever it was, to now has really changed this side. So, I mean, like we said about Real Madrid, away 3-1 victory against Benfica. They have one foot in the semifinals, for sure. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think uh, the next result to talk about, right, is, I mean, I want to talk about Villarreal and Bayern. I, for, to, 
So, all right. First question, obviously, great result for, for Villarreal. They get one shot on target, they score. That's economic. Uh, Bayern are going to still win this leg. Like yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the I agree with that. that. I was going to ask you is by how many goals do Bayern win, win next week? Well, great question. Great question. <laughs> I, think, I think, I mean, I almost uh, bet the. Uh, 3-1 Bayern like score line for this game. I just think that they're I mean they're going to be at the Allianz Arena. So I think I think they'll win by at least two goals. If that's the spread, I'm going to bet that. If they're if they're if it's Bayern by one and a half, I will bet that. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I was I was going to say more than two goals easily. Yes. Uh cuz I think it's going to be similar to what we initially we said that Real Salzburg winning 1-0 or drawing 1-1 against Bayern Munich was a great result. And then, boom, like, Real Madrid put up seven against Real, uh, Salzburg. Like, yeah. I think it's they're going to put up, like, five the against thing, Real at home. The thing that's awesome about this is it, there's no large gap like it, there was with the uh, round of 16, right? Like, we get the games next week. Yes. So, so awesome for us. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there wasn't much to talk about this game. I mean, Bayern did dominate. Like you said, Villarreal had that one shot on target, one goal. I mean, we just, we both fully expect Bayern to advance next week at home against Villarreal, who aren't as quality, I would say. But the final matchup of the week, Manchester City versus Atletico Madrid. Atletico is back in Manchester after they beat Manchester United. And man, I hate Atletico Madrid. Absolutely hate them, man. I don't know how their fans watch them. They legit had 11 players in the box at one point. All 11 players in the box. He uh, he being Simeone actually brought his entire bus to park the bus. And it's still crazy to see like a team that's this afraid. It like it doesn't it's not entertaining. And I I hate Man City, but honestly I'm glad that Man City ended up winning this game because they fully deserve to win it. They have 71% possession, nearly three times the amount of passes that Atletico Madrid had. And it's just they fully deserved it. Atletico didn't even go there to win. They went there to draw, and they went there to... I hate the way that they manage these games. It's just very, very frustrating. But, uh, Nick, what are your thoughts? No, I I mean, I agree. Like, I didn't even bother to watch this game. I had it on in the background, and I just knew that it was just going to be a lot of noise. Uh, I, Man City, like, clearly deserved to, to win. And, and based on, I mean, if Atletico keeps playing like this, they're, they're only going to continue... Uh, Atletico Madrid would have been so happy with the 0-0 result here, right? To go back to the Metropolitano and to, to play Man City in the return fixture in their home. I can't rule out Atletico because they're just a great uh, team of shithousery. Um, I mean, the thing is that's crazy to me, Lucas, is like they have so many good players. And if they played with an attacking mindset, I'm convinced that they could, they could succeed greatly, right? You have Jao Felix, you have Griezmann, you have uh, Lorente, like you have so many good Suarez off the bench, right? Like you have so many good players and I just think that, you know, I don't know what's going on. It's been just a disappointing season all around for Atletico Madrid and, and I just expect Man City to, to, to go through. Yeah, I mean, away from home with the way Atletico Madrid, even 1-0 loss. Uh, for Atletico Madrid is a great result for them. But, like, they're probably going to sit back at home as well, try to defend like crazy. It's not going to be entertaining. But I can see them pulling it off somehow. But I think Pep's going to have something up his sleeve to make sure that City move on. And at the end of the day, I do expect City to move on. So, Lucas, Real Madrid's odds to win it all before this week were, like, plus 1,800, right? Yes. Guess what they are right now? Plus 800. Very good guess. It's plus 650 right now. 
Wow. So they moved up for being, I think, like second and third to last or whatever, to all the way to fourth now based on this result, which I still think is insane. It's really good value for, in my opinion. Uh, I think if they play Man City, they'll beat Man City. Yes. And, and I think, uh, I think you know, whoever they play in the final, they've just been the the most impressive team so far to me. I kind of a biased take, right? But I I just think that Real Madrid should be the team that wins it all this year. I mean, we've been saying it since December where we saw Real Madrid having the odds at plus 2,600 or something like that. And we said that's the best odds that you can expect for uh, a team that's just been so dominant. Uh, I mean, you can, I would expect Man City and Liverpool to have uh, the first and second best odds and then Real Madrid right behind them. But I, I still like betting on Real Madrid to win it all they just look so good and if and if Benzema can stay healthy they're gonna be dangerous yeah I agree completely uh with that being said Lucas uh we both agree that Bayern will be the team that goes through regardless of their results do you think everyone else that has a lead will keep it I think I think I think it's looking like that too so I think that nothing has really changed I think we're seeing a Bayern Man City uh Liverpool and Real Madrid final, uh, semifinal. I think, though, if Villarreal somehow made it through, which would be crazy, uh, I would be a little annoyed because Real Madrid have gone, had to go through PSG, right? Had Inter Milan in their group, went to Chelsea, beat Chelsea, have to beat Man City, and li- like Liverpool just beating Benfica, beating Villarreal, right? Like, just it's just crazy to me that that this has been the tale of two different sides of the bracket for for these two teams. But if they meet Bayern, and I think they'll meet Bayern, I'll, I'll uh, change my opinion on that. I mean, if they beat Bayern, they have every right to go to Anfield and beat and uh, and beat Liverpool too. Con- cor- correct, you're right. So, so we'll see. It's gonna be fun. We shall see. So with that, I mean, we covered off on the results for uh, the Champions League, recapping what happened, our preview for next week. Honestly, let's get back into the leagues, man, because there is so much going on. Let's just go rapid fire. Actually, no, let's not do rapid fire. Let's do the two leagues that really interest us the most right now that don't have a significant gap in the top of the table or the top four race or whatever it may be. So Syria, I want to talk Syria. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So, I mean, Inter beat Juventus, right? Uh, first of all, Vlahovic had like this crazy dive. It was like absolutely nuts. I don't know if you've seen it. Basically, it gets like flicked in the face and then collapses. Like it was just kind of disgraceful. Uh, but, you know, Inter, Inter wins and essentially what ends up happening is uh, the table is Milan in the lead with 67 points, Napoli second with 66, Juventus, uh, Inter Milan at 63, but with the game in hand, right? And Juventus have just torn through, uh, gone up to 59 points in fourth place, a five-point lead over Roma. Uh, Atalanta has fallen off, right? It doesn't seem like they're going to recover. They may not even qualify for Europe. They're all the way in seventh with 51 Lazio in between Roma and Atalanta at 52. Uh, Lucas, I mean, we've talked about this title race like crazy all all year. We've talked about Napoli being the favorite. I kind of want Napoli to win too because, you know, you picked them at the start of the season. They're healthy again. They're on a roll. Um, just just totally, totally incredible with seven games left how tight it is at the at the top. It's so entertaining, man. Like, uh, from January, even from December to now, like, it was so tight between Inter and, and AC Milan. And now that Napoli's back into it, uh, it's a three-horse race. But, uh, man, Napoli beating Atalanta was huge. Yes. Inter beating Juve was huge. And Milan drawing. If Milan won the game on Monday... They would have been in a really, really, really good position. But that draw against Bologna at home, nil-nil, it's it's brutal for them. I do, if for me, I see Napoli winning, but I'm rooting for AC Milan. Because just imagine, it's been so many years since AC Milan were at the top. 
They have they haven't been in the top in so long. They've been struggling. Poor owners for decades. It's it's been brutal for them. Like their fans deserve it. Like they haven't had a quality team in so long. And if you look at the rest of their schedule, they have Torino, they have Genoa, they have Lazio, Fiorentina, Verona. Atalanta is their toughest game in Sassuolo. That's not the hardest schedule, to be honest. Whereas Napoli, Fiorentina, Roma, Empoli, Sassuolo, Torino, Genoa, and Spezia. Both both these teams, pretty easy runs of games. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Lucas. It's it's going to be just who uh, ends up dropping the points more. I think I, I mean I want Napoli to win it. Uh, I think I think you said like it's been so long since Milan won it. It's been even longer since Napoli won it. Yeah. And so I just think it would be a cool story if they were to 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 do it. They've been I mean they've been one of the the best teams all year. And also at the same time, I really wouldn't rule out Inter Milan either. Inter Milan's schedule is very easy as well. They have Spezia, uh, Roma, Bologna, Udinese, Empoli, Calgary, and then Sampdoria. Super easy schedule. Super mm-hmm. easy schedule. Roma is their toughest fixture by far, and then they really don't face anybody that's big. Mostly teams in the bottom half of the table. So, I mean, if Inter was to win, like, seven in a row, I, w- I would totally buy that. I think uh, this, game is so, this game is so tight. This league is so tight. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's crazy for this league because I, I think we've talked on the the title race for quite a while in terms of like from December to now. It's been like these three teams. I think what's crazy to call out for Serie A is the fact that Juve has solidified that fourth place position. Yeah. Like their January transfer window, when we said it was the best cha- January transfer window of any team this season it's shown that because they've had such an incredible run of games that they've overcame Atalanta uh and by far exceeded them by far so uh it, it, impressive for Juve to for like solidify that fourth place spot yeah, no, I agree with you. They were all the way down in like seventh or eighth, had a horrible start to the season, have somehow clawed their way back. And I just think that, uh, I mean, I just think that they're going to continue to play well and they'll, they'll end up in fourth. Like I don't see anyone catching them. And I just think based off of the, you know, the rest of the league, just projecting it. What a season for Roma, honestly. Great season for, for Roma. Uh, what Jose Mourinho has done with that team, you know, exceeded expectations. Like they, they, this was the best that they were going to really do, you know, being in fifth, uh, not com- really competing for champions league, but still there's, it, it's still there. They still have a window where they can qualify and make it. The fact that they're already that far up. And I just feel like they'll end up being that way is a uh, testament to, to a great coaching job. They have some good players. Hopefully they can continue to build off of it. However, Roma do have to face Napoli and Inter. Yes. Away. So that is a very tough picture for them. So I don't see them finishing in fifth. But like you said, definitely a great season for them. Uh, Jose has done his magic with them. Tammy Abraham has revitalized his career. Imagine selling Romelu Lukaku, uh, uh, Tammy Abraham to get Romelu Lukaku. And now Lukaku just sucks and Tammy's killing it for them. Like, wouldn't be United. Wouldn't be Arsenal as Chelsea. <laughs> Tammy Abraham, first of all, Arsenal wanted him, which is crazy to me because shame on me for, for saying, uh, you know, disagreeing with that because he's crushed it. He's been great for them. Um, yeah, he's exactly what Chelsea need, which is crazy to say. Yeah. <laughs> they, they sold him. And he was, he was good with Chelsea too, as, you know. He was. As, Crazy as that sounds, like yeah, maybe he had a down year last year, but he was he was still good. Uh, I think with that being said, Lucas, speaking of Chelsea, nah. we'll today, right into the Premier League, and I think you know the I mean total shocking result for Chelsea to lose to Brentford, but they've been out of the 
the title race for for a while, and I and I think it just seems like it's a two horse race between Man City and Liverpool. One point separating both of them with eight games to go. Uh, I have no clue what's going to happen, Lucas. I have no clue who's going to make Champions League. I have no clue who's going to win the league, and. That's that's where I'm sitting right now. Honestly, I'm with you. But we will have a better understanding of who could win the league after this weekend. Because it's Man City versus Liverpool on Sunday morning. Yep. And it, whoever wins that game further solidifies themselves as the title winners. That is the title right there. Whoever wins is going to get the title. Just last week, it was Liverpool had the early morning game. They won 2-0 against Watford. They were in first place. City played a couple hours later. They won their game against Burnley. Now they overcame them in first place. This Sunday, Man City versus Liverpool is going to be exciting. I hate both of these teams, but I'm still excited to figure out who is going to be the the league winner. I'm so glad that after... January, we thought the league was done and dusted. Man City had completely ran away with the league. Liverpool, the form that they've been in, has just been unreal. Unreal. And they credit to them to make the title race what it is now. Because if they didn't go on that run, we uh, Man City would just be still running away with it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, uh, I, I mean, it's been a crazy run. And it's also so interesting to me because Man City hasn't, like, yeah, they've drawn and lost, like, here and there. But they haven't really uh, fallen off of form, right? It's just that Liverpool has been so insane uh, winning all the games that they have that they've caught up despite Man City just drawing here and there. You know, if this was if this was any other season, Man City would still maintain the same position in the league that they had with a wide gap. But Liverpool has just been so crazy good that it's it's been incredible to watch. You know, I think uh, I think if I'm thinking about my my heart and my head feels like Liverpool is going to win it. And I just feel like they want the league more than Man City does this year. And I also feel like Man City is more focused on the Champions League. Uh, than anything else, you know, and it's crazy to say, right? Because Liverpool is also in the Champions League, but they're playing Benfica, mm-hmm. like whereas Manchester City has a, a really tough fixture against Atletico Madrid, where they always have a history of faltering in the quarterfinals. Which fun fact, I have a stat for you: Atletico Madrid, when they're in the quarterfinals and they lose the first leg, have come back to win it every single time. They are two for two. Interesting fun fact there. Okay. Uh, um, but I don't think that's going to change anything in the Champions League. I'm just picking Liverpool just to kind of be different. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Lucas, before we talk about the Champions League, I want to talk about relegation. Okay. Okay. Uh, so there's Wait, a game can today. I guess who you're going to talk about? What's up? Can I guess who you're going to talk about? Guess. Everton. Yes. Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> And I want to talk. I want to talk more so uh, about this game today, where Everton lost to Burnley three two. So Sean, uh, Sean Dyche, I can't even say his last name. Is it Dyke? Dyche? Dyche? Right? Dyche. Okay. So he got asked a question this week, and he's like, "What can your players do to score more?" And his answer was, "Just put it in the back of the net." <laughs> and they did. They did. They scored three goals. They win 3-2. Cornette scores in like the 85th minute. Uh, they are now even on games with Everton, only a point behind, better goal difference. And I just think that Everton is, I feel like they're going to get relegated. I didn't feel that way until this result, but I just, I don't know, man. They're just lifeless to me. They like, are very, to- very lifeless. It's insane. They are just very lifeless. Yeah. Uh, this weekend, Everton faced Manchester United. Uh, tough fixture for them. They, it's a must win for them. Yes. Half and, the and, go ahead. No, I was going to say their schedule is so brutal. So brutal going forward. Let me read you these teams. Okay. Manchester United, Leicester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester City. Then they play Watford, uh, Brentford, and Crystal Palace. And then they have Arsenal. Yeah, they're they're going down. It's so tough, Lucas. 
Very, very. Meanwhile, let's look at Burnley's schedule. Because Burnley, if Burnley go on to win uh, not even all their games, if they win, like, just a handful of them, they get Norwich, they have West Ham, Southampton, Wolves, Watford, Aston Villa, uh, uh, Tottenham, and Newcastle. Yeah, and I mean, some winnable games there. Some winnable winnable games for them, you know. And I, I mean, listen, Leeds, like we talked about Leeds before. Uh, like, I'm not saying that you were wrong for thinking that they might get relegated because their form was terrible, right? But, I mean, the, the beating Wolves uh, 3-2, beating Norwich City, drawing with Southampton, they play Watford this weekend. If they beat Watford, I feel like they're surely out of it. They're, I don't feel like they're going to get relegated with, uh, you know, 33 points. Because I just feel like if you get to 33, 35 this year, you're, you're pretty much going to be safe. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, with that with that being said, right, I think that, I mean, Norwich and Watford, we've said are done. And it's uh, it's a two-horse race, in my opinion, between Everton and Burnley, unless they both go crazy. Uh, but I doubt it. And uh, I'm just interested well, in what's, ha- what's let happening. Let me interrupt you there. Let okay. me interrupt you there. Do you think Everton and Burnley win their game in hands? games in hand and they get 30 points or 31 points so this is such a good question right i think um i think it depends on who their game in hand is i think with everton it's leicester i'm assuming i don't see them beating leicester uh well they have two games in hand and the reason i ask is because leeds united are at 30 points right now 31 games played no yeah i know have 29 games played and Burnley have 29 games. So so this is my thing Lucas. I think I think what Leeds does against Watford this weekend will will really change my answer, right? Because if Leeds beat Watford and they're sitting at 33, like yeah, they have Crystal Palace, Man City, Arsenal and Chelsea, but they end with Brighton and Brentford. So like in my eyes, I think that five more points is enough for them. To, 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 to survive. So if they beat Watford, they only need two more points from their remaining fixtures. I just think Everton's schedule is so tough that I can, I can maximum like only see them picking off. And I know, and I know magic can happen, right? But they, they've been horrible all year. They've been horrible all year. Maximum. I can see them picking up nine points from their remaining, uh, their remaining nine games. That's maximum. how it's- that, And that's being, generous it's yeah it's just it's just the toughest ending schedule that i've seen in a long time yeah yeah for sure so i mean we would agree norwich is going down wofford's going down and then it's probably a three-horse race of who's going to get relegated because uh newcastle in my opinion should be okay brentford should be okay it's going to be leeds everton and burnley yeah so who's your pick everton everton's been my pick yeah Everton's been my pick for a long time, uh, and it's unfortunate, right? But their transfer window sealed it for me. One of the worst transfer windows I've ever seen in a, in a long time for a, for a club of their history. Uh, and, yeah, they have the money. It's just been managed so horribly that this is the situation that they're in because of their owner. Yeah. And I feel really bad for them. I feel really bad for their fans. What's going to suck is that they can't even get the full price that they would want to for Richarlison. Or Calvert Lewin, right? If or Calvert Lewin, if they get relegated, those players go for maybe twenty to thirty million pounds each. Less, I would say. It could okay. Be. Yeah, okay. championship. All the leverage is gone from Everton. All the leverage. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, listen. Would I love to have either of those two on like my team? I think yes. I think every team in the league looks at them and is like, yes, we want, we would want those two players. Any team. Yep. Uh, with that being said, right, I think a good segue to, to end this before we go into our bets is to talk the Champions League, right? We still have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, it seems like, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Chelsea because they lost to Brentford. And I mean, Real Madrid, no surprise there, in my opinion. But uh, this could this be the start of something bad for Chelsea? Oh, great question. Uh, no, they're way too far ahead right now. I think they had too strong of a start of the season to not finish in the top four at this moment. But if they continue to lose games, it's highly possible that they miss out on top four because they do play uh, Arsenal, 
they play United, they play Leicester City, and West Ham. Yeah. Like, difficult matchups. Um, but I still see Chelsea finishing in top four. For me, the top four race is down to two. Okay. It's Spurs and Arsenal. Arsenal, incredible season. But now, after the international break, they tanked against Crystal Palace, who have looked incredible in that game, by the yeah. way. No, they, they've been great all year. Great all year. Patrick Vieira has done wonders for that team. Really, really good stuff. Uh, but Arsenal should bounce back. But Spurs, after that loss against Man United, Spurs have rallied three straight wins and convincing wins, too. 5-1 against Newcastle, 3-1 against West Ham, 2-0 against Brighton. I anticipate the same this weekend against Aston Villa and them to just continue this run of form. Because looking at it, their toughest fixtures are... Leicester City, Liverpool, and Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. So if they win, if they get three points out of those nine and they win the rest, they've locked up that top four. I mean, I think I think for Spurs, uh, I would give them I would give them probably the advantage right now, right? Because uh, it looks like uh, Kieran Tierney is out for the rest of the season, right? He got hurt. Uh, I mean, he should have really never played the games internationally. In Scotland, there were two friendlies. He didn't need to be there. They they played him. Uh, that results in him basically getting his injury, right? And he's he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, Thomas Party is like to be decided, right? And Tommy Yasu may not return for another couple of weeks. He's been out for a long time. But you know, two of our starting defenders are are essentially out for for the next couple of weeks. We play Brighton and we play Southampton uh, before we have the game against Chelsea. So if we can get results from those two games, then that puts us in a good advantage. But, uh, I mean, a lot of injuries are happening at Arsenal right now. And I'm not sure we exactly have the correct depth, especially at the right back position. And especially if Tierney's out, right? Because you can move Xhaka to left back or you can move Soares to left back. But if they're both out, it puts you in a difficult spot. Um Ultimately, Tottenham, in my opinion, has the advantage here because of the, the health, even though Arsenal has the, the game in hand. But, I mean, that's that's why we'll see. I guess we, that's the only thing we can say, right? But uh, if Tottenham make it into the top four, definitely Arsenal, like, met expectations, finishing fifth, right? Yeah. But, but at the same time, you seeing how they've played as of late, right? Like, since their horrible start to the season – uh, th- it would be kind of a disappointment because they played so well, like yeah, all year, yeah. Lucas. I mean, I, I know they laid an egg against Crystal Palace, but good teams do that. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be interesting to see how they rebound uh, over the course of these next two fixtures. This has definitely been the best Arsenal season in recent years. I would say the last four or five years, this has been the best Arsenal season. I test wise as well, right? Yes. Yeah, they play very, very well, and. Uh, what's you guys should be excited for the future because they have a lot of really really good young talent: Odegaard, Saka, uh, Emil Smith Rowe, Martinelli, uh, like really good young talent. Uh, even Ramsdale, and you're secured in the back as a goalkeeper for yeah, years to come. Um, yeah, I would be excited, and definitely Arteta has stepped up. He has taken this team to the next level. Uh, and people had thought that wouldn't be the case, but definitely has done so. No, ultimately, I mean, I agree with you, and I will see. We'll see what happens, right? The summer is going to be big for uh, all the clubs in the Premier League, particularly, I would say, Chelsea, uh, Manchester United, and Arsenal, right? What they're going to do, and then what happens with the sanctions with Chelsea. Those are going to be the the big things that that occur, and also the the sale of the club right for Chelsea. What happens there? Who signs them, uh, or who buys them? So so those are the three clubs really that that I'm kind of looking at to see what they do next year. Manchester City uh, have already made a couple of signings. There's reports that they've already agreed terms to Holland, which we'll we'll see what happens there, uh, if that's actually true. And then also Liverpool is going to stay in Liverpool. So. You know, we'll, we'll expect more of the same for them. The Mo Salah re-signing. We mentioned this earlier in the pod, but uh, if Mo Salah doesn't re-sign, 
we already mentioned that they're not going to miss a step. But him not re-signing with Liverpool and going somewhere else, he can take another team because he has mentioned he wants to go to a Premier League team. He wants to stay in the Premier League. If he goes to a team like Chelsea again or goes to Man City, oh my God, World War Three may happen. Yeah, they would play him as their center forward and he would score all the time. Just yep. because he's that type of player. I mean, he fits into um, he fits into to Liverpool's system. He would fit well into Manchester City's system. I don't know about Chelsea, uh, but I mean, I don't see him having a dud of a season for Chelsea, right? So no, definitely not. So I mean, with that being said, Lucas, I think it's time we go into our bets for the weekend. Let's do it. All right. So I mean, we're doing this podcast on a Wednesday, right? So it'll be posted today. Um, there's so many interesting results that we can go, so many directions we can go in. I don't have my bets yet. I mean, I did pretty well doing it last minute, you know, you said. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've been doing well over the last five weeks. Me and Nick were talking about it. We've been 14 for 18 over the last five weeks across all of our bets. Yeah. And that's not including some bets that are like just plus money, minus money, like 14 for 18 being 78% is fantastic. Yeah. Like just last week, I went one for three. However, the one that I hit was that Napoli plus 220 money line. It's a huge odds that even if you take an L on the other two, you either get close to the bets that you put or you made some money back. Yeah, exactly. And if you were to bet the other two that I didn't lock in as my bets, uh, but you bet the the Real Madrid, you know, La Liga and Champions League money lines, you still would have netted $160 if you placed 100 on on each of your bets. Uh, just because of the value of getting Real Madrid at plus 260 against Chelsea, which I thought was a, was a no-brainer in my opinion. Oh, oh, my God. Especially after that Brentford performance. Yeah. Oh, my days. But speaking of Chelsea... I do have Chelsea at minus 115 versus Southampton. Okay. I mean, they can't take three L's in a row. Can they? Can no, they? That's such a good bet, Lucas. I really like that bet. Can they? Yeah, that's my first one. Okay, that's really good. I mean, I, I talked about Liverpool, Man City. I feel like I really want to put them in here. Liverpool at plus 250 is so juicy to me, right? So juicy to me. Uh, you could do that. You could also, if you were to look into... Uh, the double chance or the tie no bet, right? Man City and Liverpool is minus 137. Liverpool and draw is minus 140. At the tie no bet, you still get Liverpool at plus 166 odds. So uh, a lot of opportunity there. That's a bet I'm going to give a shout to, but I don't think I'm going to lock that in officially yet until I have more time to think about my other two bets. Okay, then I will go into my second one. Okay. which is a team that's just been scoring mad goals lately. Like we mentioned, they're probably very likely to secure that top four spot, and they need to get a win here. It is Spurs versus Aston Villa over two and a half goals at minus 114. So they need to score just three goals altogether, a 2-1 game. Just last game, Spurs won 5-1. They've let up a goal. The previous game, they won 3-1. They've let up goals. I, I really like this bet. I, I I mean, I like that bet, too. I'm going to probably go uh, the real baddest money line uh, at plus 130 against Cadiz. Cadiz is 17th in the, the league in La Liga. Real Betis hasn't really strung together two wins consecutively. They just won uh, last weekend. They're currently in fifth place. I just feel like they'll end up winning again, especially against Cadiz. So that's going to be my pick. I'm going to lock that one in as one of my uh, one of my first sure bets. And my final one, I think this is just a given. You could probably assume what it's going to be. Uh, whenever you get a chance to bet this team plus money, Real Madrid plus 120 money line versus Chelsea in the Champions League at home, lock it in. That's a good one. I thought about actually doing that one as well. Uh, I mean... Oh, this is so tough because I know Augsburg has beaten Bayern before, and and I know that the odds are like plus sixteen hundred. So they're so monstrous to me that I just don't know 
I don't know if I'm going to do this, Lucas. I don't think I'm going to do this one. Uh, yeah, I would, I would stay away. I looked at it, but you, I would stay uh, away. Yeah, you saw that. Uh, I mean, this is tough. I have to think about this. <laughs> and I hate, I hate leaving a giant lag in the, the podcast, right? Uh, but I do feel like for Bayern Munich, right, they didn't score in their first fixture. Uh, I think they're going to score quite a bit in their, their actual second one. So I'm going to do the – do I do Bayern Munich over three and a half? This is tough, man. Oh. Right? I can't do anytime goal scorer because it's not set yet because I was going to do uh, Lewandowski anytime goal scorer. Um, I don't know, though. I feel like Villarreal will end up parking the bus here, so I'm going to stay away from that. Um, I don't know, Lucas. What do you think I should do? I like Bayern Munich to win by at least two. So what's the spread on it? There is no spread listed yet. So that's that's the other bet I wanted to do, right? But there was no spread on it, and th- that's the reason why I'm kind of uh, – kind of stammering here and like looking for something because if it was if it was posted as one and a half I would have taken that yeah I think I'm just gonna do West Ham at plus 150 against Leon tomorrow uh you get get plus odds I like I like West Ham uh especially in Europe they have something to focus on Leon is decent team but uh but overall I like that you get Barcelona at minus 145 too and that's a really good bet that's a really good bet Lucas why don't you parlay them? Oh, why don't I parlay them at plus 246? That's juicy. Yeah, okay. We'll do that. Let's uh, go. What's up? Yeah, so Barcelona money line with the West Ham money line parlay in the Europa League tomorrow. Uh, two leg parlay at plus 246. So that's going to be my my second bet that, that I lock in there. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, Lucas? No, dude. I think we covered off on so much. Uh, there's just so many games, and we're getting rapidly close to the end of the season. So that's uh, just a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so nuts though because you know we we like record a podcast. It feels like we were on for 30 minutes, and like an hour passes by. I, oh, I just saw the time too. Yeah. All right. With that being said, enjoy them, Tuckers. Enjoy them, Tuckers, everybody. Talk to you next week.